Melanie. So if we haven't met yet, I'm Melanie um, and it is my absolute pleasure to talk to you tonight. I'm sharing the stage tonight with um, Charlotte, with Phil and with Becky. So I'm going to introduce what we're talking about tonight, then Charlotte, Phil and Becky will share and then I'm going to kind of apply it and help us kind of hear Jesus within it. So we've themed up today um, with this, walk, talk, pray. Um, if you were on the kids Zoom this morning or the youth Zoom this morning, you'll have learned the signs. So if you were on and paying attention, you'll have learned the signs that go a little something like this. So walk and then talk and then pray. Look at that. Some of you are even doing it along with me. Good attention. So it was walk and talk and pray. I hope I got that right, Matt. So walk, talk, pray. And that's what we're theming up today with. I really felt God speak to me about these three words and just felt stirred and inspired. I then have read all four Gospels, noting down the things that Jesus did outdoors. And, and as you can imagine, it's filled pages of my journal, the things that Jesus did outdoors. So by way of introduction, I'm going to share with you the things that Jesus did outdoors. When I speak, what, what I, the general way that I work is I kind of feel like I'm a bit prophetic. And so there'll be things that as I speak, you might want to jot down. So I'm going to suggest if you've got a pen, a pencil, a notebook, a phone with a note app on it, that you just grab hold of those things. Because I'm fairly sure within the list that I'm going to share, the things that Jesus did outdoors, I'm fairly sure there's going to be a couple of things that you go Ah, and already tonight I felt God just underline a few of them just to say, like, pause there for a moment. So I'm going to tell you some of the things that Jesus does outdoors. And I feel like while we're in lockdown, while we have no building or premises to meet in, we need to understand that God is not restricted, that God is not held back. In fact, we need to understand that Jesus himself did some of his best work outdoors, did some of his best work with no walls and grass and mountainsides and on a boat. So if you are feeling like, oh man, like I can't do what I thought I'd be able to do because we're in lockdown, because I can only see people outdoors, because I can only see one person at a time, because fear not, Jesus did some of his best work outdoors. He did some of his best work amongst the ones and the twos on walks of people, on journeys, places. So fear not, God is not restricted by current restrictions. He's also not waiting for lockdown to lift so that he can do some of his best work. He's been at work and will be at work all the way through this. So I just want to stir you and inspire you so let me tell you Jesus was baptized outside and I want to pause there just for a moment if you are not baptized in water you need to sort that out that is a thing that you can do in your Christian life that publicly declares outside 
to everyone that you are owned by Jesus, that you now belong to him. If you have not publicly declared that, let me suggest that you sort that out. We are wondering around Easter time whether we might go for one in someone's garden that we just kind of have video recorded on Zoom so that we can all feel a part of it, but we go for it in someone's garden. If you are not baptised in water, let me say, sort that out. Get a hold of your Bibles, read it, be convinced that God has got that for you. He's got it for you publicly, outside. He wants you to get wet and tell everyone that you belong to him. So he was baptised outside. He was tempted outside. He was tested outside. He called his first disciples outside. He preached, teached, taught, trained, corrected challenge all outside if you are someone waiting for a stage waiting for a platform because you've got a teaching gift or you've got a preaching gift I would say to you don't wait any longer Jesus did some of his best sermons on hillsides in boats he didn't wait for a building to open up for him he didn't wait for an invitation to get on someone's stage he had something to bring and he brought it in the places that he was Let me say that again. He had something to bring and he brought it in the places where he stood, where he was. If you have a hillside, if you have a mountain, if you have a boat, if you have a street, if you have a platform, let me suggest to you get that preaching gift out and you stop waiting for the magic call from Stuart that says, I've got a preaching date for you. And you start preaching where you are. You start teaching where you are. You make use of social media. You make use of the platforms that God has already given you. Some of the best sermons have been preached in this nation in grassy fields. They've been preached in places where there are no walls, there are no platforms, and there is no one giving you a preacher's gift at the end of it. They have been preached in places where people are. If you have people in your remit, preach, teach, train, disciple. He told the truth outside. He made promises outside. He was in charge of creation outside, walked on water, spoke to the wind, spoke to the waves. He healed and performed some outrageous miracles outside. I think I would challenge us as Christians. Most of us do our prayer for healing indoors when most of Jesus's was done outside. Most of it was done in the marketplace. Most of it was done on the streets. Most of it was done at a well, on the way to somewhere, outside a grave. Most of the healing and miracles of Jesus were not done within a temple. They were done in the marketplace. And I want to stir us and encourage us that actually the miraculous, I personally think the miraculous is for outdoors. It's, it's for everywhere. It's for wherever you are and whenever you come into contact with something that you think the kingdom of God needs to break in here. He casts out demons outside, sends people out outside, gives authority outside, prays, discusses, raises the dead outdoors, all outside, all public, all there for people to see. He told stories. He took time out. He ate and fed others all outside. He restores, gathers, blesses. He makes true prophecy 
all outdoors, not hidden away, not within buildings, not behind closed doors, not in someone's houses, on a hillside, on a mountainside, in a boat, on a journey somewhere. He grieved and wept outside publicly. He was betrayed, arrested, mocked, beaten and crucified outside for everyone to see. You see, the cross is God's perfect sacrifice on display outside, not hidden away in a church building, not up on someone's wall in their house in lockdown, but outdoors, outdoors for the world to see, outdoors so that it was very clear that he had died. It was very clear that he was the son of God crucified. It was there on display for everyone to see. And some would say that was foolish. Some would say that was God and end to God dying on a cross publicly. What a shame. But actually he was displaying his glory outside for everybody to see. He's then denied outside, rejected outside. He commissions outside, he returns to heaven outside and he will come again in glory outside. He's not coming back to a building, back to a house. He's breaking open the heavens and he's coming down through the clouds and every eye will see. There is something about our God that loves to be outdoors. And I firmly believe that when we are out there, we get to encounter him in those kind of ways, but we also get to see his kingdom hitting our streets and going out into people's lives. I would stir you church not to wait till our building is back up and running, till we can gather and meet together. I would say to you, God's best work is often done outside. And I would say it's time for us church to take hold of what he does outdoors and be like him and do the same. So I've asked Charlotte, I've asked Phil and I've asked Becky to really just share what what they enjoy about outdoors, where they like to go, what they like to drink, but also what God is speaking to them about. And then I'm going to come back on at the end and help us earth some of this. So it's over to Charlotte. Thank you. Can everyone hear me okay? I'm not very good at unmuting myself usually, so that's good. Hello, my name is Charlotte. I'm married to Ben. I'm mummy to Zach and Esme. And I love getting out and walking in Sutton Park, as I know many of you do as well. It's right on our doorstep. It is so beautiful there. And since Esme started school in September, I've really had the chance to explore more of it when I haven't got small children stopping every 10 metres to pick up a stick or climb a tree or do the various things that they do. So I love starting my day after I've got the kids at school with a walk in the park. I like hot chocolate from Costa and almond milk hot chocolate and then just to go exploring and um, my favourite part of the park is up by Bracebridge with the wild ponies they're just magical if you've not found them yet go looking for them. What I want to share with you um, about what God has been speaking to me over the last few weeks is about being obedient in the now and trusting him for the rest about being obedient in the now and trusting him for the rest Anyone who knows me will know that I am a little bit of a planner. I love nothing more than a to-do list and a plan that's got a clearly defined end and a clear route for how to get from here to there, ticking things off as you go. I like being prepared. I like having spares of things. 
sometimes a few spares of things. Um, it drives Ben a little bit nuts. Um, and our garage has on occasion been referred to as the Amazon depot because of the supplies and the spares that I like keeping to hand. But what this charming personality characteristic also means is that I can find it difficult to let go of things and to trust God with the outcome of a circumstance or a situation and how it's going to end up. And God has been speaking to me about how he is the one who works and weaves everything together. And I can trust him with the outcome, even when I can't see what that will be and have absolutely no control over it. When I was at uni, I was friends with a guy named Cabin, who was at the same college as me. And in my college, they had a system called college families, college mums and dads, where they would group all of the first years into kind of little families of six. And they would give them a college mum and a college dad so that when you joined, you had someone you could ask questions of. You had a ready made community to help you get settled in. So in my third year, I was a proud college mum to six shiny new freshers, fully grown children. And Kevin was the college dad of our little family. And over the years, we haven't really kept in close contact, just Facebook, social media. But we reconnected a couple of months ago over an app that he's created recently for kids. And after going back and forth on emails, he sent me a video message. I think he was trying out some new technology. And in this message, he asked how our church was going. He knew that we'd moved up to Sutton to help start a church. And he told a story about how he remembered coming to church with me at university and how he remembered sitting at the back of church and how the guy who was preaching picked him out from everybody in church and gave him a crisp brand new 10 pound note as part of the sermon illustration. And I got to admit, I'd completely forgotten about this in the 17 odd years since it happened. But as he was telling the story in this video message, I remembered it. At some point, I think it was in our second year, I felt God say that I should invite Kevin to come to church. And so summoned up the courage, I invited him and to his credit, he said yes. And to his even bigger credit, he got up early. You know, when you're a student, anything before lunchtime is pretty early. Got up early after a big night out on the Saturday and he came to church. And the way that I would have liked that story to play out, the way that it made total sense in my head and in my logic and in my control for that to play out was that he would come to church, he would experience worship, he would see the people of God worshipping in spirit and in truth, he would hear the preach, he would be kind of cut to his core about his need for Jesus. And at the end of the preach, he would be the first one out of his seat, running down to the front, giving his life to Jesus. And none of that happened. He came to church. He was pretty thrilled that he got given a £10 note for free. And then we carried on with uni life as normal. But God reminded me, as Kevin was telling this story on this video message 17 years later, that none of what happened 17 years ago was unimportant or wasted, that it was all part of God's plan for him and his life. And God reminded me that being obedient to him and inviting him to church and even the preacher being obedient to God in singling him out, giving him a 10 pound note, all of that is weaved by God into his plan for Kevin's life, the plan that only he knows the bigger picture of, only he sees all of the different parts being woven together. 
And what God asks of us is to be obedient in the now without knowing exactly how things will get weaved together, exactly what the outcome will be, because he is the one who sees that. He is the one who works everything together for our good and for his glory. And what he asks of us is that we listen, that we're brave, that we say yes in the now and trust him with the rest. And sometimes we get to see the outworking of that. We get to see the results of us saying yes and see what that leads to. And sometimes we don't, but that's okay. All we do is say yes in the now. Whether it's something that seems massive and scary and requires us to step out of our comfort zone, or whether it's something that is just really small and mundane and every day, it's about saying yes to whatever it is that he asks of us, whatever his spirit nudges us to do and trusting him for the rest. And I don't know whether my friend Kevin will ever become a Christian. I hope and I pray that he does, but that isn't in my control. What was in my control 17 years ago was saying yes, being obedient to what God asked me to do. And what is in my control now every day is listening to God, listening to what he's asking of me and saying yes in the now and trusting him with the rest. So I want to encourage you to do the same, to be brave, to say yes to God in whatever it is he asks of you to do each day, whether that's something big or something small, and trust him to weave it together as part of the plans that he has for each and every one of his children who he loves way more than we could ever know. Right, I'm going to hand over to Phil. Thank you, Charlotte. That was brilliant. Okay, hi. You've seen a lot of me already this evening, but if you don't know me, my name's Phil. Um, married to Matt. I've got a little girl, Delta, and a little boy, Blue. Um, and we moved up to Sutton nearly 10 years ago. In fact, it'll be next month to be part of this fab church. Okay, so my walk, I love to walk. I love to get out in nature. Um, if I, well, basically I love to walk next to water. That is my ultimate. Um, so if I had the choice to go anywhere and walk next to some water, it would most definitely be along the beach in Cornwall. Um, it, I absolutely love Cornwall. And that would definitely be my first choice. Um, but obviously, at the moment, uh, we can't go anywhere we want and walk wherever we want. So we are blessed enough to have pretty much on our doorstep Sutton Park. And I've spent a lot of time in Sutton Park um, over the last few months. And my favourite bit of water in Sutton Park would be the Black Root, Black Root Lake. I don't know if you've been there, but it's the one near the bistro. Um, and if you walk along the path and look out to the big trees on the horizon, it kind of feels like you're on holiday. I love that one. Something in my soul sings when we walk past that lake. What would I take to drink? Well, this depends. So if we're talking about Sutton Park walking, um, especially in this kind of weather, on a normal day, I would have um, from Costa, a flat white or um, some kind of coffee. Uh, if I need a bit of an extra hug in a mug, it would definitely be a chai latte because anything that tastes like Christmas in a cup is, is pretty good in my books. Um, but obviously if it's a lovely sunny afternoon walking along Cornwall Beach, it would probably be a cheeky GNT. Don't see many of those in Sun Park. Okay, so what's God been saying to me? What did I feel like he wants me to share tonight? Well, I don't know about you, but it feels to me like the world's been getting a bit louder again recently. Um, it feels like life is cranking back up. 
is going up a few gears. People seem to be screaming a bit louder on social media. There's something in the atmosphere that just seems to be coming increasingly charged. And I have to say recently, my mind has kind of mirrored that a little bit. Um, it feels like it's increasing, reflecting the increase in volume, starting to spin a touch. So when Mel asked me to do this, I started frantically asking God, right, what do you want me to share? What do you want me to share? What, what's this amazing lightning bolt word you've got for everybody? Um, and I found myself getting more frantic in my asking of God. And in some ways, it was a good energy because I felt him start to stir me up. But I was so desperately trying to hear the perfect word and bring that moment that actually, surprisingly, God didn't massively speak to me or give me the thing I was after there. So eventually I stopped striving, um, stopped swirling around and just sat and was still. And I don't know about you, but what I find is as soon as we stop speaking, we give God the space to begin. And that's what he did. So I sat down to plan the worship earlier this week um, and there was one song I knew I definitely wanted to do, which was worth it all, the one we did at the end. Um, and as I sat at the piano and just sang through the verse, that was fine. And then I got to the chorus, so I let go of all I have just to have all of you. And that's as far as I got. God just came in and absolutely broke me. Um, I mean, he, he really properly broke me. I'm pretty surprised I even managed to get through it tonight. Uh, I couldn't get past that first line and I just felt the Holy Spirit just crash all over me and I was sobbing into the piano, totally messed up my mascara, had real spider legs by the end of it. It's a problem, ladies, you, you get me. Um, but I felt in that moment, God speak. And as I sat there, a bit of a mess, I heard in a voice that was so gentle, but so clear, I heard him say, strip away all the noise and just come just come back, come back to me, come back to the foot of the cross, come back to your first love, come back to the lap of the father. Now I'm a, a visual learner. So if I feel God saying something to me, I generally try to picture it. So it makes a bit more sense. So I pictured God, uh, Jesus just sitting on the floor, kind of cross-legged. And in my mind's eye, I basically crawled into his lap and I rested my head on his chest and allowed him to wrap his arms around me. And as I did that, I felt his heartbeat and I could just take a deep breath and just stop. And as I sat in the lap of my savior, everything else began to fade. The noise that was once getting pretty loud grew quiet. The voices that seemed to be so important in my life got put back into their rightful place. And the peace that had been a little bit elusive came flooding gently back. And I feel like that's what God wants us all to do tonight. I feel like he wants us to strip away the noise and just come back to him. So when you can feel the noise start to rise or the world start to shout loudly, demanding more of you or just your own head beginning to swirl, Jesus wants you to strip away the noise and just come back. Come back to the lap of your father. Picture him sitting with you, Picture yourself crawling into his lap, taking a breath. Rest your head against his chest and let him hold you. In Mark 6, Jesus says to the disciples, come away with me and let's be by ourselves and rest a while. In Isaiah 55, God says, come to me. Anyone who's thirsty, come and drink. Come to me with your eyes wide open. Listen and you'll find life. And in Matthew 11, Jesus again says, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest for your souls. 
that when your work is feeling too much and you're just getting overwhelmed, just come. When the kids are sucking every bit of energy out of you and the juggling is just too hard, just come back. And when you're looking at an uncertain future and you feel anxiety start to rise, just come back. Come back to the lap of Jesus. And just coming back can and must look different for each of us in this season because we're all in different situations. But if you have the time when you feel the world start to get a bit too loud and can take half an hour out to just come back and sit with Jesus, do it. It may be that your crazy schedule doesn't allow for that much time every time you feel things start to swirl. It might look like a couple of minutes of you just shutting yourself in the bathroom while the kids are getting their school shoes on and taking a moment to breathe. Or it might even just look like you muting the team's meeting for 10 seconds, just enough to take a deep breath and come back to Jesus, reconnect with him, then unmute and crack on. And do this as many times during the day as you need to. Jesus hasn't called us to struggle and strive through this world alone. He is with us every step of the way. And when we come back to the lap of our Father God, when we rest our head against his chest and when we breathe, we will hear his heart beating and our heartbeats will gradually begin to sync up with his. We will hear more clearly the truth about ourselves, what he says about us, not what the world says. We will begin to care more about what he cares about, not what the world cares about. And we will begin to see the world more clearly through his eyes. And then, and only then, will we know the peace that passes all understanding in the midst of a frantic world. So guys, can I encourage you this week, when things start to get, to get a bit loud, a bit swirly, strip away the noise and just come. Over to you, Becky. Hi, um, so my name's Becky and I'm married to Jeremy. He's one of the elders at Real Life Church and I've got three kids. Um, they are Joel, Caitlin and Isaac. So at the moment, I love walking also around Sutton Park. I've gotten a bit bored of Newhall, which is the valley near me. So Jeremy and I or a friend have been doing a bit longer, more varied walks through the park, which has been great. And like the others, um, I would probably get a drink from Costa and my new favorite drink is a mocha cortada. So um, every six weeks, the ladies from our life group um, meet on Zoom and we share and we catch up and this last one, we were sharing about where we were regarding lockdown. And I'd been feeling really down and anxious the week before this, but I couldn't exactly pinpoint why, although I knew it wasn't entirely because of COVID. I knew it was a jumble of things that I'd been struggling with for ages that were simmering, and I didn't have the words to explain. But it was good to just share this and be real and have them pray for me. A few days later, I went for a walk with a friend, and she's one of those friends who asks me how I'm doing and then waits to hear. And as we walked, I shared and she listened. No judgment and answers, just listened. And she's quite good at that. And there have been a few moments like this in the last few years where I felt really low. But after spending time with a, a special friend who listens well, I've been able to share and get clarity. And they've enabled me once again to look up and see God. And after our walk, she gave me a book which she felt God had nudged her to buy for me. And the writer spoke about Joshua. And one of the stories was about Joshua and Caleb and the 10 spies. Um, and it was in Numbers 13. 
when Moses sent them into Canaan to spy out the land, he asked them to see what it was like and what the people were like. And after 40 days, they returned and Joshua and Caleb had a good report and said that they should go in and take possession of the land as they would surely overcome it. But the 10 other spies gave a bad report and basically convinced the congregation that it was not a good idea. Reading this, I felt so strongly that I'd been like one of the 10 spies. I'd like to pretend that I was like Joshua or Caleb, but now I felt God rebuke me for focusing on the giants and because of that, believing that the things that I'm battling with are insurmountable and that God is not able to help or get me through it. And it's never easy um, when God reveals sin in our lives and we can easily brush it off and move on. But God was showing me that I'd taken my eyes off him and I was no longer trusting him with everything in my life. At the same time, I kept thinking of a verse in Psalm 121, verse 1 and 2, and it says, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. From where shall my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. And this song was apparently sung by the Israelites on the way to Jerusalem. There were many hills and the road was really dangerous. But they sang words of hope, these anthems of hope. And all around, they could see the potential danger, but they chose not to trust in what they could see, but in the one that they knew, their God. So after spending time repenting, this verse was challenging me to look up with eyes of faith and to see a God in all his majesty, his power and his glory, and to see a God who is the creator, who placed the stars in the sky, gave the hummingbird all its beautiful color and knows the number of hairs on my head. I'm a pretty slow learner, as you can hear, and I do often feel disappointed with myself, but I know that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. He always comes to us and he calls us back to him, and he gives us so many opportunities to repent and to find forgiveness and freedom in him. And it is all a journey as we stumble and we surrender and we learn and we grow in being more like him. I also love how God uses so many things in our life to teach us something. At this time, I'd also been doing a cognitive behavioral therapy course with some of my volunteers where I work as part of their training. And again, God used this to remind me to capture my thoughts and to renew my mind, to be aware of the thoughts and then to weigh them against his word. And after sharing this with, you know, with my life group, one of them dropped off a card the next day filled with verses for me. I've taken that as well as a few others, and I'm trying to look at them and read them every day so that daily I can remind myself that he is good, able, and loving, and bigger than any giant in my life. God uses people in our lives to help us. He gives us friends that are there to walk alongside us and be there as we struggle, as we question, as we find our way. And these friends are our safe space in which we can bear our soul, open ourselves up and through this, allow the Holy Spirit to speak into our hearts and bring his voice. So if today you are feeling lost and you're feeling low, I'd really ask you to find someone that you trust and feel safe with and go for a walk. Share with them. You don't need answers, but you need someone who will listen 
and not judge, and then pray for you as they help point you back to Jesus, the maker of heaven and earth. Thank you. Back to Melanie. Thank you so much. Have I unmuted myself? Yeah, give me a wave. Thank you so much. That was just beautiful to hear um, what's on your heart and what God's speaking to you about. Um, what I love us to do is to just have a moment to just think, okay, what is God speaking to me about? What does he want me to do? Where does he want to challenge me tonight? What has he got to say? So maybe you're a Christian and you're not baptised in water yet. Maybe all you need to write down on your piece of paper is check out what the Bible has to say about baptism and then get baptised. I guarantee you if you read what the Bible has to say about baptism, the only right response is to get baptised. have to be honest. Maybe you're a frustrated preacher, teacher, and you're waiting for your moment, you're waiting for your platform, and you've forgotten that Jesus did not wait for any of those things. He pulled up a chair wherever he was and spoke. He used every opportunity on the road to somewhere to teach, to preach, to train. And maybe you've been sitting around waiting when you should actually be looking around and speaking. Maybe you're crying out to God and saying, but you promised me this, I want this. And God's saying, I've already given you your green field. I've already given you your boat. I've already given you your mountainside. What I require of you is to open your mouth. What I require of you is to start teaching, start training, start discipling. Maybe you've been asking God for healing breakout and you've been practicing in church and God is waiting for you to take it outdoors. Maybe you need to start praying for people on social media. Maybe you need to start looking out on the playground or with your neighbours. Or maybe there are just people that you need to just listen out for and think, okay, let's start doing it here, God. You did it outdoors and it seemed that, that heaven opened up. So maybe I could try that. Maybe you're waiting around for lockdown to lift and you're thinking when lockdown lifts, I can go back to doing X, Y and Z. God is not waiting for lockdown to lift. He's not sitting around thinking, oh, if only they could meet in groups of six. If only it was two households. God is not waiting. If there is the ones and the twos. I think about that woman with the issue of blood. I think that one woman who came into contact with Jesus and her whole life was transformed. That one woman. Maybe it's that one person that you go out for a walk with where you see the breakthrough, where you see God break in. Is God asking you to be obedient in the now? Are there things that he has asked of you that you don't know how it's going to play out? But what he's saying is, listen up now. Do as you're told now. And you have no idea what's to come. You can't possibly know. But your obedience is the thing that matters. Maybe you need to come back and sit with God. Maybe you've been frantically rushing around, joining in with the noise, whereas actually he just wants you to come and sit with him, be with him. He just wants it all to go quiet so he can tell you some things. Maybe you need to look up and see God. Maybe you need to share honestly with a good friend. What I would ask is that you write something down, anything, that you think, okay, I'm going to look at that, I'm going to do something with that. 
we've got a couple of things for real life women that we want you to do and then we've got a couple of things for you as church so next weekend real life women we want to get outside in some way shape or form and we want to walk and talk and pray we want you to find one other person take your goodie bag and go outside you might not be able to walk very far might be around your block where you live find someone who's happy to do that with you it might even be that the place you can walk to is your driveway and you can walk and plonk down a chair and someone else can do laps around your driveway or sit at the edge of your driveway and chat with you and pray with you it might be that you want to head into Sutton Park or try somewhere else we tried a different route at the weekend it was brilliant down near where Keith and Sam live and we went we went for a great walk super found some places we've never seen before bumped into some friends from real life church it was lovely got hailed on maybe you need to do that this weekend but we would love it women if you would pair up with someone maybe you don't live around here but you've got a goodie bag and you need to find someone who lives near you and go for a walk use your card to write some things down and we've got a just a couple of questions that we'd like you to answer we'd like you to share with one another where you most like to walk so where do you most like to go? We'd love you to tell each other that. We'd like you to tell each other your favourite drink or bring it with you. Just say, oh, when I go out, I love to drink this. Um, and if it is G&T, own it, all right? Um, and then the last thing we'd like you to do is, is tell each other what Jesus is saying to you at the moment. Or maybe he's saying nothing, but you really need to hear him on something. We'd love you to share that with one another. I'm going to suggest that you don't pick someone that you always walk with. So, for example, I walk loads with Phil. I'm not going to walk with you, Phil, this weekend. Sorry, because I already know the answers to most of those questions about Phil. I, I walk with Shah, I walk with Becca, I walk with Ro. I already know the answer to those questions. And as much as I love them and love hanging out with them, I'm going to find someone else to walk with who I can find the answers out to those questions and they can find it out about me. I want you to be honest. If you haven't got someone to walk with, tell me and I will find you someone to walk with. If I must, I will do multiple walks because I love being outside. So if you are stuck and you don't have a woman to walk with, I will walk with you. So just give me a message if you think I don't know who to walk with and I will find you someone to walk with or I'll walk with you. OK, so that's what we want to do if you're a woman in real life church. But everybody else, including the women, this month we want to launch a new 10 challenge so our 10 challenge for March is this. We want you to write down the names of 10 women. And over the next 10 days, we want you to pray for those women. We'd love you to have a mix of those you know in church and those you know outside of church. We'd love you to simply write their names down and either carry their names around with you or put them up on your cupboard door or your fridge door or somewhere where you're going to see it. And you can either pick one woman per day to pray for for 10 days or you can pray for all 10 
every day for 10 days but it's 10 women over 10 days and we want you to call down blessing on them we want you to call out words in their lives we want you to ask Jesus to speak into their lives to look after them to watch over them we just want you to call down all manner of things into 10 women that you know and you love and we'd love that to be our challenge for March we're doing a 10 challenge every month in our 10th birthday year, this is March's one. It is March, isn't it? I'm starting to lose track of dates and times. It's March. So we would love you to pick 10 women. The kids and the youth are doing this. They made jars and they've written down the names of their 10 women. We would love it as a whole church. And I was imagining there's, you know, about maybe a hundred of us on this call. And if we all pick 10 women, that is a lot of women being prayed for. And some women will be picked by multiple people and they will be prayed for over and over again. Imagine what God can do with those prayers. So we are going to end it there. So women, find yourself someone to walk with. Church, make sure you're listening to God and responding to what he said to you. Find 10 women to pray for over the next 10 days. I'm going to hand back to Stuart. We love you guys so much. and Can't wait to see you in person, but we're not waiting around till then for God to do something.